If you're like me, you are tired of trying to find jeans that fit right no matter your build and still look good. Introducing the newest sponsor of the Double Doing Podcast, Sweat Taylor, a premium menswear brand that is defining a new kind of casual. I started wearing Sweat Taylor and I am blown away by how comfortable and affordable the clothes are. And of course, they look great. My favorite is the all-in pants. It's a five-pocket pant that feels like sweats but look way better. Thoughtfully tailored and unbelievably stretchy. From jackets and pants to joggers and hoodies, Sweat Taylor's designs are made to seamlessly fit into your life, moving from runway to office, office to drinks, and drinks to wherever the night takes you. Specializing in casual wear for men, pieces are designed with comfort and versatility in mind for your everyday. Use promo code BDEEGST. That is BDEEGST for 25% off. That again is BDEEGST for 25% off your order at sweattailor.com. And welcome back to another episode of Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deek. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We're talking strictly Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to recap Vikings versus Eagles on Thursday night football. No one else to do with than my man Thomas Peterson. Thomas, I think this hoodie's got too much going on here. These stripes on the side. I feel like there's too much color coming off me. No, I mean, it's good to not keep it everything uh, like all black apparel is not really, is not really. I like some collar in there, like change it up a little bit, get some stripes in there. Um, uh, it, it, I'm I'm just saying that all my everything I have is black, white, or or green, <laughs> which is I Eagles. Like, Eagles I, I just feel like these stripes look weird, like on on the on the screen here. I bought it at Costco yesterday, and I was like, you know, what, this would be perfect for podcasting, like the hoodies, because my my basement's cold, and uh, I don't know, I'm not I'm not loving the loving the camera reflection from these uh from these stripes, but oh no, we're gonna have to deal with it. Got to work through it. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> defeat the Minnesota Vikings 34-28. I was pretty close. We I predicted 34-24 on the podcast, so uh, four points off from there. But um, I guess let's just let's just open up for a generic conversation here. What what what? Uh, how were you feeling last night throughout the game? How how were the tensions flowing? Or yeah, was a blood flowing through your body? Give me give me what was going through your mind. The entire first half, I was. Um... Yeah, so, so what I did is I set an alarm for 2.15 a.m. Um, and I always, whenever I wake up there, I'm in my the deepest sleep. And so whenever the alarm goes off, I, I, I never know why. So I'm always confused for about five minutes. Then I have a little bit of nausea, a little bit of temperature, uh, like freezing a little bit because you're under your, your warm sheets. And then you, you kind of get up there, you scramble into the, uh, to the, to the, to, uh, to the TV turn on the game and then just sit for around like half an hour, one hour in zombie mode, like just observing what happened, but not really, not really being able to analyze any of it. And then I kind of get wake up a little bit more. I get my coffee and then, you know, basically like a uh, very early morning, that entire first half was so freaking boring <laughs> and so uninspiring. It was, it was like coming off, off of that, that Patriots game and, Eagles drives there to begin with. So pretty good opening drive there. Field goal. Should have been a touchdown. Like they got all the way down there pretty easily. Should have scored again. The same start as with the Patriots. Then punt, interception, missed field goal. And they just off of those turnovers. Like they had mm-hmm. so many chances to punch it in. They had favorable field position and just couldn't get anything going. And all right. So you're looking at from from the uh the Patriots game, where you're coming off a field goal drive. Field goal drive, uh, fumble, turnover on downs, 
punt, 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 end of half, touchdown, field goal. Like, and then you just add that onto that first half against the Vikings. And and I was I was panicking. Like I was sitting there going, yeah. what 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 are we doing? What is this? This is so we were night and day from what we saw last year. We were messing each other. I think it was when we were up 10-3, right? 10-3, I can't yeah. remember the exact Yeah, one. no, 3-7 also, believe we were. Uh, yeah, like yeah we, were going, Mike, we were Mike kind of going like there. they've had three turnovers and they've got seven points on the board here. And, like, that's not going to last. Like, if you get three turnovers in a first half, you got to at least put, like, 14 points on the board at the, at the minimum. Like, those are golden opportunities to kind of cash in. Um, and then the run game kind of came came alive. So let's let's talk about the offense. We'll start with the offense and then transition transition over to the defense later. I uh, I was really surprised, kind of the game plan going into this to start the game because we were last on the preview episode. We were saying get the run game going early, start with it, then it will open up the passing game. They come out of the gate with six straight passing plays, um, and it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty to start the game, and it kind of was just a continuation of the second half from the New England game. Yeah, 100%. And it was just – Jalen Hurts had a lot of time and never really threw the ball. So it's it's going to be a curious case this week to see just how bad it looks downfield. Uh, and, and we were also talking a little bit about how Vikings were so very clearly setting pressure. Like they, they, they were showing it pre-snap. It wasn't any sort of disguise. They kind of hit that until the second half. They started disguising a little bit where they would only rush three and then drop everybody. Like, show a bunch of pressure, then drop everybody. But in the in the first half, they blitzed whenever they showed it. And Eagles had no answers for it. Like, it was all slow – either it was slow developing concepts or Jalen Hurts was just off. Um, they had a bunch of read uh, run, um, run reads where Hurts – I don't. I don't know what he saw. Like it was a wide open middle for DeAndre Swift, and he keeps that the was ball a third and, and five, up. right? It was third and five, third and six inside the red zone. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, believe, was yeah. it was more. It was. It was several examples. Uh, red zone, also uh, one of the. Uh, I think it was one of the last uh, punt drives the Eagles had, or maybe it was even the interception uh, drive. Where they're running a run read and it's 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 literally five yards between Jordan Malata and Landon Diggers and there is nobody in there, and and Hurts keeps the ball himself and he just looks slow, uh, again, and yeah, it was it was frustrating because at that point John Drew Swift was already in in full swing and plowing through contact and man we got to get to him. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings defense numbers are insane. That was. I was on Next Gen Stats this morning, and the Vikings had a 40.7% uh, dr- uh, drop eight rate in this game. That was the highest since 2019. So they were either blitzing heavy or they were dropping eight. Like it was one or the other. They, they weren't kind of going in between here. They, they were doing everything they could possibly do to stop the big play passing attack. Um, and Brian Flores, it's funny, that, that game in 2019 – was a Dolphins game, and he was the head. He was the coach of that team, so he, it's just very familiar to him. But yeah, the, the Vikings did like like I said, everything they could to not have Devonta Smith and AJ Brown beat them deep. Um, they just wouldn't allow the passing attack, the intermediate, like the ten to thirty yard passing game, get anything going. And they they, they game plan for that. And then what happened was, is I think this either came from Jess Stoutland or Nick Sirianni um, at halftime, and kind of just going, look, they're 
you're dropping so many guys into our in, into our into coverage to slow down the pass. Let's run it down their throats. The Vikings, I also saw on Twitter. I don't know if this is true. I, I, I saw it from one account. I can't remember the account, so take this with a grain of salt. But they played a three-safety look, the highest rate since 2014, apparently. So they were just constantly – they were just flooding DBs. And then the Eagles just countered that with the rushing attack. DeAndre Swift, have yourself a damn night. DeAndre Swift finishes the game with 28 carries, 175 yards, and a touchdown. It was probably one of the most impressive running back Eagles performances I can remember. Yeah. I mean, he looked he looked phenomenal. And it was just – it was the combination of skills that he displayed. Like, he's easily the shiftiest running back on the team. Um, and then you just combine that with an ability to to push a pile. There was a couple of plays where he gets kind of stuffed at the line of scrimmage, and he just continues to move ahead, and he gets an extra two or three yards while moving a bunch of uh, a bunch of, of of defenders ahead. Naturally, getting some pressure, uh, some some push from the Eagles' O line. They did a really good job in the running game as well. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit of a misleading stat being thrown around a little bit on Twitter that how many yards that DeAndre Swift had before contact. Well, that also had a lot to do with his his ability to read the line and then his speed to get to the edges before there was actually any defender near him. Like, sure, the Eagles, did, the Eagles offensive line did a great job, but also he made he made guys miss even before they had a hand on him. And obviously that goes to the yards before contact uh, stat. So yeah, I think it was a it it was a um, it was a really good displaying of Nico's offensive line being really really good, but DeAndre Swift just read the O line so well. Like his patience before he committed to a gap was unmatched from what I've seen from an Eagles running back for a very long time. Like He's shady, like we prime, always looking like prime Le'Veon Bell out there with that patience. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the, always the key word to describe Le'Veon Bell. Basically, the word to describe Le'Veon yeah. Bell. I mean, Lashawn McCoy had some patience as well, but also fans would get very frustrated with Lashawn McCoy because he would literally dance in the backfield before doing something. Like he would pull off a bunch of sick moves. It, that wasn't the case with DeAndre Swift. It wasn't like he was juking from side to side. He was just like nimbling around, like quick feet, stuttering from a little bit from side to side, and then committing to a gap and then exploding. Um, with power through it, so yeah, it, it was it was a uh, it was a really really fun game to watch him play. And yeah, someone brought up a little bit of a, a blessing in disguise with Ken Gamewell not playing the game, so they could get a a, a better look at uh, at DeAndre Swift. Um, and they definitely did that. I think they're still going to be rotating heavily when 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 Ken Gamewell and Boston Scott are also uh, healthy uh, and back there, simply because of the injury history of DeAndre Swift. But yeah, what a uh, what a what a debut performance for him, which it basically was because he didn't get any touches last week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when Game Ogre does come back because in both games, like the New England game and the Vikings game, they wanted a, a bell cow back, right? Like in Kenneth Gainwell, I think it's 16 carries in the first game. Swift had one and then Boston Scott had one. In this game, DeAndre Swift is eight or 28 carries and then Boston Scott and Rashad Penny combined for eight. So in each game, you kind of picked the bell cut back and said, you're the number one guy. And if both of those guys now are healthy, when Kenneth Gainwell does come back from injury, it's a rib injury. He's probably going to be ready to go for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. I'm kind of curious to see how it works because they're going to have to, if they want to continue this, they're going to have to pick one or they kind of just go back to a committee. But we haven't seen a running back by committee yet, really. I know Boston Scott got some run in. He was injured as well. He left the game with a concussion, but it was the DeAndre Swift show from, from the get-go. Yeah, 
and I mean Boston Scott as well. He played. He ran. He ran the ball extremely well before he, he, did, he yeah. left with a concussion as well. Like Boston Scott is continues to be underrated. Mm-hmm. Rashad Penny, man, our boy, just <laughs> just couldn't get on the field. He gave me played a total of nine snaps. Um, yeah. They had, they had the one little Makes nice sense, run, though, with the way that John Swift was playing. I mean, I'm... yeah, 100%. You don't take him out. Like, I I just – I thought they would like, – I didn't think DeAndre Swift would be the lead back for, like, the first three straight drives. I thought they were going to give Penny a drive in the first half. I don't even think he saw a snap until the second half, right, until Boston Scott got injured. Nope. Yep. Yeah, so You're they right. so they must not like what they're seeing from Rashad Penny at practice and, and, and training camp and whatnot because it's not like they're saving him or anything. Like, he's just at the bottom of this depth chart. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I guess it kind of makes sense when you see what DeAndre Swift is doing. Like they've been seeing that in practice as well. Um, I think it has less to do with the lack of skill of Rashad Penny and more so the ability of the other guys. I think you have to give DeAndre Swift the bulk of the carries going forward. Like he has to out carry Kenneth Gainwell. He has to out carry Rashad Penny. He has to out carry. Yeah. But also, it, it, I mean, it makes sense to be kind of uh, worried about his durability moving forward because we would much rather have him display what he showed here in week two have him display that going into the playoffs and the latter part of the season when things are really starting to heat up then in week two, week three, week four and all. So I think it's going to be a heavy rotation still. It's going to be a pain in the ass gambling on Eagles running backs. He kind of saved the game. Like literally, like if he won, he was the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Could argue defensive side of the ball. He was the best player on the team tonight. Um, And without him, they don't win this game. So I, I, I feel like week three, you kind of kind of have to, like 28 carries is a sustainable per game. Like that is a lot of workload. He hasn't had, I don't think he's had anywhere close to that in his entire career. This probably was a career high in carries. I don't have the exact numbers, but right. that makes sense. Like, I don't think he, we ever saw him get like 25 plus carries in Detroit. So yeah, the durability thing. It's, also, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a perfect symbiosis of Eagles offensive line being as dominant as it was. And then John Drew Swift's and, 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 Posted a stat earlier saying because he had he had nine uh, forced missed tackles in the in the first game here, and and the only the only player with more was Jameer um close to that in in week one. So basically, like like we said, Swift didn't have any carries in week one. So you can basically say this was his debut. Like he didn't have anything else. So everything on his season is from is from week two game. Jameer Gibbs was the only one close. He had six missed, uh, missed tackles forced in week one. He was bouncing around tacklers. Like, he was phenomenal in, in his uh, debut with the lack of carries that he got there. I think he got, like, 11 carries mm-hmm. or 11 touches, that is. But funny. nine missed tackles for like I'm like, hold on, you you're gonna you're gonna be talking a little bit here. For, I'm gonna pull up the stats and how many missed tackles for uh, Miles Sanders had in his tenure with the Eagles. Yeah, I was gonna. I actually wanted to bring that up next. I thought I watched this game with a with a buddy of mine who's also an Eagles fan, and I, I remember and I said to him like, Miles Sanders doesn't make these runs. Like Miles Sanders doesn't run like this. Like the, the, if you do swapped, if you had Miles Sanders in this game, he's not running for 28 carries, 175 yards. Like this was, this was DeAndre Swift doing more and providing more to this rushing attack that the Eagles haven't seen in a long time. No, like no disrespect to Miles Sanders, he's a fine Eagle and he, he did he had a good season last year. But I think they upgraded here. Like this was a clear upgrade and just from the eye test, the stats that you brought up and matches. So um, it was really impressive. I, I was I was kind of blown away. Like I did not see this coming. Um, we were kind of banging the Rashad Penny drum, and then Nick Sirianni says, "How about some DeAndre Swift?" Double Dog Podcast. 
Right. So Miles Sanders, uh, in each of his first three seasons, he was around that 144 to 193 attempts on a season. And he had around 21 to 31 missed tackles on an entire season. DeAndre Swift had nine in one game. <laughs> yeah. Like he was the way his ability to kind of sit behind and, and spark and go, like his patience and then explosiveness was this was like a, I, I'm assuming every running back coach across America is going to get their hands on this tape and show like, this is how you run the football. Um, I would like, again, blown away. Like hats off to the kid. Good for him. It's homecoming too. He's from the Philadelphia area. So it was his first time playing um, for the Eagles at home. So like, it was a perfect home debut for the kid. Um, The Eagles offensive line, Thomas was outstanding. You had a tweet earlier today, Jordan Mailata, the highest PFF uh, blocking grade um, since, or uh, from an offensive tackle ever. Correct. Yeah, from an offensive tackle ever, and then since 2013 for all offensive linemen. That's outstanding. Um, and the rest of the offensive line did well as well. Like Lane Johnson was moving guys. Jason Kelsey was moving guys. I thought Lane Dickerson was mauling guys in the run game as well. He looked good. The whole unit as like combined was spectacular. And go, I tweeted, goes to show like Jeff Stoutland had to – he was definitely in that conversation at halftime going, run the fucking football. Yeah, I mean, he, he had to be. Um, and I think for for as bad as it was in the first half of the Eagles, obviously they have high expectations of how good they are. And, and for them as well, it's I, we are a little bit shook about how it looked on the offense. Just imagine what it's like being a player on the team. Like, there must be, like, must be a shell shock to go out there and find out that everything you're doing isn't working. So they're just, I mean, they're hoping for something to start uh, to start working out for them. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that Jeff Stoutland is, uh, is in both Sirianni and Johnson's ear in terms of of how to attack the front they, that they're facing. Um, but also, like in the same vein, I mean, we might as well just just address that here because there there is always this constant talk about AJ Brown that ex- sideline exchange. Yeah, that's so I wonder. I, I, I know, I know your, uh, I know your stance on here. You had you 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 tweeted something out about it that. Like you know, AJ is um, is the best friend of hers. He's a competitive guy. He wants to be the focal point as well. Like he wants when he when he thinks he can contribute with something, he's gonna be let he's gonna let it be known. He's not gonna be sitting in silence whenever he he sees something that can contribute. And so when they're on the sideline like that, it's natural for a player, any player, doesn't matter who you are, if it's AJ Brown or third stringer, uh, getting some chance on the field. If you're seeing something on the field and you're your pulse is high, juices are flowing, adrenaline is pumping through it. Like you're not going to be silent about things. You're going to be animated when you're discussing things on the sideline. That's just natural. And yep. so when he sees something and he's like he's seeing how they're running the ball all the time, when they're throwing the ball, Hertz isn't looking deep. He's always checking the ball down. He's not seeing anything down the field. He's not taking any chances. Whenever they call the pass play, you and I talked about this. It just looks like they don't have anything going in 20 in 10 to 20 yard range. Mm-hmm. And and Hertz really denied to throw it in those um, in those ranges there. Mm-hmm. Um, he had one. He had the two deep passes for Devontae Smith. That that was basically it. That's all they tried down the field. And so it's natural for 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 AJ to approach Jalen about these things and approach Sirianni about these things. Like, look at what I got going. Like he is the one running routes on the outside of that. He if he sees I have the deep open all the time when I'm running this. He's gonna be he's gonna be letting it known. Like, come on, like throw the ball. 
actually th- look my way and see what I'm seeing. Um, and to his credit, right after on that drive, they would have had two touchdowns to AJ Brown if yes. it wasn't because of uh, of those uh, questionable uh, questionable calls that the holding that... was ticky tacky. Like that that was. 50-50, like half the refs call, half don't. Yeah. The but it, like, it's like, if you want to be tacky through. with that, if you want to call that a holding and you want to be like, oh, the players have to be really playing inside the rules, then that is a PI 10 out of 10 times as well. Because mm-hmm. that, was that more of a tacky? I don't think it's a tacky PI. I think it's 100% a PI, no matter how you're calling that the was, game. That was pass interference all day. That exactly. Was like so you just took away a touchdown with a tacky time. holding. You give mm-hmm. them the ball at the one yard line with a PI call in that in that mm-hmm. spot because otherwise that would have been a touchdown to AJ as well. So AJ was one hundred percent correct in that. Yeah. Um, and then not only that, and then hurts uh, freestyles afterwards and take two bad sacks and they punt the ball. Mm-hmm. That that one so sack was killer. Yeah. Yeah, it was so stupid. I my biggest kind of disappointment with the passing game today was I we talked on the re, uh, the preview episode where I thought they really matched up well against the secondary. Like I thought AJ Brown and Devonta Smith were going to have one on one matchups where they should have been able to attack it. They, of course, they had the deep shot to Devonta Smith, um, and then they had the second one where they were just the the, guy, the cornerback was on an island there. He had no chance. Devonta Smith just runs freely. Like I thought they could have got like four or five of those type of plays because the like I brought up the the drop the drop eight rate at a forty point seven percent. The Vikings also blitzed seven out of forty percent forty percent rate. So they were either blitzing seven or. or dropping eight. Like that was it. That was the game plan. Like it wasn't like this. Like and I know they confused their coverages. Like they had guys come up the line. They backed up, but it was like it was two. It was a two headed race. It was. Two horse race. It was blitzing, and we're we're dropping eight. There was not like we're we're gonna run four or we're gonna run five. It was kitchen sink or we're getting the fuck out of there. Um, so I really thought that the matchups, like we and we kind of nailed what Brian Forbes is gonna do on the preview episode. This was what we predicted, and this is what the Vikings did in the week one. So it just felt like the one on one matchups for AJ Brown were probably there, and Hurts didn't see it. And just back, to, just to tie it all up with with the AJ Brown conflict. It's a whole big nothing burger, man. This means absolutely nothing. Look, I played university football in Canada for three years. Like, I'm not a professor. I never played American college football. I never played um, NFL, whatever. But I played at a pretty high level from where I'm from. And I had these type of conversations. I see all those type of conversations all the damn time. Like yeah. this, if you play sports. Literally after every single drive. Time. Yes. Every single drive, when you meet up in your position, like in your unit group, when the defense gathers after that, there's always going to be someone who is pissed about something that yes. they that they're either that's either being ignored on the field, that the coach hasn't realized, or that they're seeing themselves. It's happens all the time. Exactly, like that 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 conversation probably happened 15 times, um, in like in like combined the first two weeks, and the media, the camera was on it for that one part. So then everyone takes it for granted. Like everyone kind of takes it. Uh, yeah, and the like worst part uh, is that the ones that are really putting it out there, and and the know. one the, the 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 accounts that are being streamlined for these kind of things, you know the which one it is. It's Dove Climate. It's Jasri. It's NFL Rums. It's NFL Rumor stuff. It's what else are they called? ML. Yeah, ML Football. The one you said. None of those guys ever play football. 
No, I can guarantee and, you. And they I can all guarantee you that they 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 literally put out tweets of guys making one hand catches in practice and say, "Whoa, look at this!" I'll go out there in the yard. I'll do that right now. <laughs> I'd actually like to see it. I'd like to see you, you make one hand catch. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll I'll shoot you a video. <laughs> I have I have my uh, I have my girlfriend uh, uh, throw a couple balls my way. I'll yeah. I'll show you what I can do. Oh, hey, sign them up. Hey, the you can, that, you can put that right. up there. You can add those accounts and say, "Oh, look at this talent." <laughs> the Eagles need a third wide receiver right now with Quez Watkins injury. So <laughs> yeah, they should not sign me. Yeah, you, might an, you might be a, a free agent signing for the Eagles. Uh, I, I would be a uh, I would be a subtraction by by addition. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I I was blown away at like because last night I saw the AJ Brown stuff and I was just like this is nothing. Wake up in the morning and it's it's all over my timeline. It's like are people insane? Like it's it's such a like not a big deal. They're like isn't Hurts AJ Brown's godfather? Like the kid's godfather? Yeah, yeah like they're 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 so close. They're not gonna let a tw- they won. They just won 34-28. Like you don't think they're in the locker room happy right now? Did you like if you the Eagles posted a video clip of AJ Brown like leaving the field like all happy and he's like he's kind of going like my bad like he's it's all good. Of course he didn't want to speak with the media after the game because that's all the questions you would have freaking got. So the Eagles media team was probably like we're not letting him talk to the to the t- uh, reporters, which was a smart idea. And I loved Nick Sirianni's answer to this. Um, I think Elliot Shore Parks was the one that asked him. I know Elliot Shore Parks had the video on Twitter of it. I don't know if he was one that asked the question, but Nick's like, I'm not telling you shit. Like this is between me and my guys. And that's what a good head coach does. Doesn't yeah. put his teammates under the bus. I, uh, I, I don't understand why this is getting so much attention at all. Did they really put out a video of AJ running out the, yeah. If you, if you watch like the, the Eagles, um, like they, they always post like a compilation of like all the players, like running out of running into the tunnel after the game. There's yeah. more, like a quick, a quick shot of AJ Brown. In that, um, it's it's titled "Dubs at Home Are Just Better." That's what the tweet was. If you watch the video, you can see AJ Brown leaving. He's fine. He's happy. Like it's it's not a big deal at all. Like, and he like he went back and had he went back and had almost two touchdowns. It was, I don't know. I I thought this. I think it's insane that we're even talking about this. I think we wasted too much time on it. Yeah. <laughs> but it had to be. It had to be talked about. Um, let's let's, let's go. Finish up with, let's finish up with Jalen Hurts quickly before we move over to the defense because I think okay. I, I have to talk about him first. Are you concerned at all with Jalen Hurts right now? A uh, little bit in the beginning of the game, I was. Um, I think after the game, not as much. Uh, I think, I, I, I think it just this game really just emphasizes my point. Before we, when we previewed this game, every QB designed run, where it's designed for Hurts to run it, needs to get the hell out of the playbook immediately. You have too much talent on the field. You have too many good running backs. You have a QB who is generally pretty good at reading these things in the RPO and the run read game. You need to you need to put the ball more in in the offensive line's responsibility in terms of run blocking when you're running, and in terms of of Hertz knowing exactly what to do. These 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 QB runs they don't go anywhere. He just he gets beat up. He gets he gets. Whenever you're taking big hits, it's always going to impact you on the next couple of plays afterwards. Mm-hmm. If he's not in a rhythm, if he can't get things going as a runner, that's going to impact his decision making as a passer afterwards. That's my take on it. I think I think when when he is in a groove passing, that is going to reflect on the rest of his his uh, his game. 
And when the offensive is rolling, I think he feels more freedom to scramble out the pocket, pick up five easy yards when nothing is down the field, like those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But when they're lining up an empty formation and he's the primary runner on the play, I hate to see it. I, I really, I really don't like that uh, approach to the offense because it impacts Hurts' decision making. It impacts his physique when he's taking these hits, and it's it's not necessary when you have as talented as a team as they do. So, I'm not concerned about Hurts overall. He, I think he's making smart decisions as a passer generally. He's thrown some really good deep passes. He's had that massive play, uh, pass to A.J. Brown against the Patriots that was taken away after review. The one to A.J. Brown was a dime where he scrams out the pocket and he throws it down the field. Um, that was a dime as well. It was a dime to A.J. Brown that went and got taken away by that P.I. So I think we're seeing better play than is actually being put on the stat sheet. But I think there are some things they need to look at here in the next 11 days. They have reflect on the, on the, the play calling um, and putting Hertz in in the best situation for the offense. Yeah, they have 11 days uh, to the next game. So they have some stuff to figure out. The first two quarters are rough, man. Like that was probably the worst two quarters of football I've seen Jalen Hurts play. And then you can even tie that at, tie that into like the first four quarters of the season with the in the New England game. So first six quarters weren't pretty. And I think like I, I haven't looked at these stats yet. Um, ben Baldwin's database where I get like my success rate and um, EPA stats aren't up yet. But like the success rate stats have to be really low, and the efficiency stats have to be really low because. Like he had the two big deep plays um, to Devonta Smith. Like, of course, those count. But outside of that, like the passing game was just non-existent in the first half. Um, the first the big Devonta Smith touch uh, play was in the first half. Like, it, there was nothing generating, so they weren't efficient at all. And then in the second half, I thought he played well. Um, he he had 111. He had 111 passing yards. Um, he was eight of ten for two total touchdowns. He had a rushing and a passing. And then, like, if you if, I think if A.J. Brown, like, that touchdown counts, we're all talking about Jalen Hurts in a completely different way this morning, yeah. right? Because then he then he has 145 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and he's 9 for 11 and a half. Like, that's that's MVP numbers. So, like, if that touchdown counts to A.J., it's all fine Danny, and we're having – the media is having a completely different conversation. Now, of yeah. course, the touchdown didn't count, but overall, I thought – like, the, the overall, I think he played fine. I think our standard is too high um, for him right, maybe right now. And the second half was was really kind of salvage it. And I think they need to bring the momentum going into Tampa. But you said – I think they have, they've got some issues to figure out in the passing game. Like there's there, – Hurts is not reading the field as well. He kind of just seems a little bit indecisive in the pocket. And I think it's because defenses are throwing different shit at Hurts. Like Brian Forrest's defense was kind of insane last night. Like, yeah. free safety looks at the highest rate. Like, you're dropping eight, you're blitzing eight. Like, there was no in-between here. So, it, maybe it's just catching them off guard, and they just need to kind of counterpunch it. So, again, they've got 11 days to figure that out, and they've got plenty of time. And I think I think Hertz actually addressed it, uh, addressed it really well um, when, when he said that what better way than to be a work in progress – and come out with two wins right out the gate. Mm-hmm. And all these stats and player debacles and all this kind of thing, it doesn't matter when you're winning. And and Sirianni said it as well, making adjustments is a hell of a lot easier when you're 2-0 and than if you're 0-2. Yep. Um, everybody is bought in when you're winning. That's just like winning cures everything. Um, and 
for I think for 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 Hertz he knows he knows just as well as everybody else that it's not perfect. Um and 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 really it doesn't have to be. Um like talking about all the 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 passing stats and who runs and who doesn't run and all this it, and AJ Brown the, the same thing. I mean nobody nobody really cares when when you're when you're when you're 2 and 0 and for a team that we have a general idea is struggling with the coordinators and getting things together the the, the secondary that's a whole other thing the secondary looks lost on just about every other play like it, there's always confusion on who's picking up who when you're going against bunch formation sets um but even that all those all of the sloppiness and the 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 coming slow into these games. They won two games in four days. Four five days, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that can that can go to kind of like just prove that like the offense wasn't gonna be um as explosive like tonight or the first day. Like they it was really congested the first two games. Like you had two games in five days. It's kind of chaotic, right? Like you have a lot of shit to kind of get together and get ready. So um, but yeah overall I'm not worried. Like I I, I think there's like stuff they have to figure out in the passing game, yeah. but I'm fully confident that they can do. They have a they have a long extended week here, basically a bye week, to take a step back, adjust the schemes, get healthy. That's one big thing. Howie Roseman has some time now to start evaluating whether he should be adding players, adding linebacker, adding a cornerback to play the slot if they're confident in Mario Goodrich or getting a veteran in at least to to back up Mario Goodrich. If the idea is that he is supposed to be starting in that uh, in that slot spot. Um, but yeah, it's it's a perfect time to have a little bit extra than everybody else and be two and zero. Yeah, and uh, the schedule worked out nice where they get the Thursday night out of the way on week two. Um, I know there were some injuries that that came with it, but I'd much rather be doing it now than playing like a Thursday night in week thirteen when you already had your bye, right? So there's a a little bit of a scheduling um, benefit for the Eagles there. The Double Doing Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard; it's especially hard when you don't have someone you can open up to. Not everyone is comfortable talking to their friends and family about their personal matters or anything that is bothering them on a day-to-day basis. Mental health is so important to continued success in this world. Therapy is a great way to regroup and get everything off your chest. Insert BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy service, 100% online. They will match you with professional licensed therapists you can trust. You can talk with your therapist however you see fit by a text, phone call, or video chat. BetterHelp has successfully helped over 4 million people worldwide deal with their day-to-day mental health issues. Use the link in the podcast description to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. The Double Doing Podcast is officially sponsored by Manscaped. Fresh ball fall is upon us, and you need to be in the festive spirit. Light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure your balls look nice with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves off the trees, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for the sweater weather. Get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with trim as refreshing as a ball breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code DOINK for 20% off everything plus free shipping. It's time for nice flannels and cozy socks, but we can't forget to trim our balls. By now, you've heard of them, but it's time to join the 9 million men worldwide who use Manscaped and get the kit that covers it all, the performance package 4.0. It starts with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology that reduces nicks and cuts to make the raking the leaves a lot less painful. Once you've cleared the driveway, the performance package comes in hot with products to cool you down. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, one to prevent stink and one to clear it up. With a soothing aloe vera formula, 
Move over pumpkin spice. Fresh balls are the smell of the season. The performance package 4.0 caps it off with two free gifts. The Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. That's one to hold your Manscaped goodies and one to hold your man goodies. Bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with code DOINK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code DOINK. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. Okay, let's talk about the defense. So the Eagles give up 28 points. Kirk Cousins dropped back 44 times, just kind of like we predicted. They weren't going to run the ball at all. 31 completions, four touchdowns for Kirkie Cousins, no interceptions. Um, the Eagle, the Vikings run game was non-existent. Eight carries for 28 yards from Alexander Madison. Tyler Ty Chandler had one carry for no yards. Justin Jefferson did most of the damage over the air, 11 catches for 159 yards. Um, guess, I guess generic take on the defense. How do you think they played? I think uh, Seth Cunningham and um... – and Nicholas Morrow played really well. Uh, really uh, want to tip my cap to Nicholas Morrow. I think he played – I think he really played well as well, uh, especially for a guy who initially didn't make the roster at all. He came in, and he instantly looked a thousand times better than Christian Ellis. Uh, he had to call the plays, too. He was the green dot, like off the practice yeah. squad. That's yeah. a lot of responsibility. And I think it's really telling that Christian Ellis didn't get any work in this game. Mm-hmm. Um that he played so poorly last week that Morrow got uh, signed to the active roster and then started immediately over him. Uh, that That is very healthy to see from uh, Harry Roseman to be able to make those personal decisions because we know that he sometimes keys a little bit more in on guys who and wants to give them more of a chance despite them obviously not pl- uh, playing well. Um I'm, I'm curious to see the tape on the D-line this week uh, because... Hassan Reddick, I'm last week against the Patriots, he was clearly winning a lot uh, and was very close to getting home with the pressure. I didn't see him at all this game. No, he was invisible. And, you know, PFF uh, really torched him. Like, he, like the, the backline stats back up what kind of I saw. Hassan yeah. Reddick had 39 snaps in this game. He had one total pressure. He had the third lowest PFF grade on the team out of 23 eligible uh, defensive players. Um, he did not look good. Now, not worried about him either. He didn't get off to a good start last year. Um, he had two really bad games to kind of start off the year. He really picked it up in week three against the Commanders. I think it's when he got his first sack of the year was in that Carson Wentz game. Um, and then then week four against Jacksonville is when he kind of took over. So going to give Reddick a little bit more time here and before I kind of crush him and start to get worried. But, yeah, he did not – he was completely invisible in this game. Wasn't a great Fletcher-Cox game either. He – he played 76% of the snaps, Thomas. Way, way too many snaps for Fletcher Cox tonight. Now, I know that could be – I was thinking about this because, like, there were so many turnovers, right, and there was so much, like, changing of the guard with the ball. So it's not like he needed, like, a long break in between um, and drives and stuff. So maybe that had something to do with him playing a lot. But I, I thought 76% of snaps was way too much. Um, and, yeah, the the defensive line was stolen by Josh Wett and, and Jordan Davis. They were unbelievable in this game. Jordan Davis, I think he's been like the most pleasant surprise of the year. If you're an Eagles fan and you want to take like the biggest or the best takeaway from the start of the season, it's the the resurgence or not resurgence, the emergence of Jordan Davis because he's been flat out awesome. Yeah, he's been he's been terrific. I mean, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis are exactly what Eagles fans could have hoped for those uh, those guys to be. 
Um, it's it's really impressive what Jordan Davis. I mean, Jordan Davis looked um, every bit the 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 pass rusher that we were just having a tad hope that he could be after watching last week. You look at the game like that, you say, "Oh, I really hope that it wasn't an anomaly." And just because that Patriots guards were were rookies and 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 not uh, not maybe not up to the task, and then um, out comes uh, out comes Jordan Davis in this game. He does the exact same thing. He had uh, he had maybe the best pass rush move that I've seen from him. Uh, that swim over the guard where he got the pressure in Kirk Cousins' face and he throws an incompletion off of that. Um, and then the 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 play where he gets the sack, that was supposed to be a, a play action bootleg, and the, the the tight end doesn't even come across the, the field because Jordan Davis smothers the guard to an extent. The tight end trips over because he trips over. Uh, Kirk Cousins trips over the tight end. Like everybody falls down because Jordan Davis just obliterates the, the guard right off the Austin, snap. It was it was actually the center. It was Austin Schlotman that he pushed. Yeah, it was the guy that we could pronounce. I was laughing my head off. I, I wanted to bring that up in this episode because I was like, I remember me and Thomas couldn't even pronounce the guy's name on the, yeah. the episode. And I'm like, who's number 65? And then I looked up. I'm like, oh my God, that's the center. That's the guy that was placed. It was in, very uh, fitting that that was the first first like solo sack of Jordan Davis's Eagles career as well, that mm-hmm. it was it was based off of destroying the line to where the offense couldn't function and then touching the quarterback down. Yeah, he bolted like four guys over. At the end, there was like a pile of like four Vikings on amazing. top of the ball. Yeah, Jordan Davis was uh, awesome. He was like he was arguably their best player on the on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe on the team outside of uh, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, PFF really graded him high as well. And then Josh Sweat, I I thought was incredible. That was one of the best yeah. games I've seen Josh Sweat play as an Eagle. He was winning like constantly. Like there was there was like a couple where if you just gave him like a, like a third of a millisecond. Or a third of a second to get there, yeah. he was hitting Kirk Cousins. That one touchdown to KJ Osborne um, in the fourth quarter, Josh Sweat was like almost there, right uh, there, had, and it would have been a strip sack as well. Yeah, like and he had the strip sack, of course, that led to to a touchdown. So, like, hats off to Josh Sweat. And I'm, I'm, it was cool to see it done on Thursday Night Football because. I think Josh Sweat has been awesome the last three years. I thought he was very underrated last year. If he didn't leave the, um, if he didn't like miss the last couple games with that neck injury that he suffered against the Saints, his sack numbers would have been like higher because he was on an absolute tear towards the end of last season before he got hurt. So it's cool to see him kind of shine on prime time and him to uh, kind of get some limelight here. Yeah, and I actually think he's on pace to to the best uh, the best start of his career as well, just in terms of like overall pressures. Um, through two weeks here, let me see. Yeah, he's had he's had ten pressures, and for as good as Josh Sweat has played, he <laughs> Jalen Carter still clears him with uh with eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eleven pressures through two weeks for Jalen Carter, man. <laughs> it's it's insane. It's insane. I I did not like, and I guess I was always trying to high like keep my expectations from level because I I was like digging up on like uh historical like defensive tackle rookie seasons and it's not pretty like defensive tackles don't come into the league and do well like Quinn and Williams had two and a half sacks his rookie season that's it he's got almost a hundred million dollars like it takes it takes time for these guys and and Jordan Davis is a great example of this like he had to go through growing pains growing pains sorry in his rookie year and now he's popping off the second year so for those two guys to be able to do this at such a young age future's bright man future's bright I mean I'm just looking at some random stuff right now I mean Carolina Panthers in week one had a total of eight pressures, and Jalen Carter has 11 on two games by being a rotational defensive lineman. Um, okay, the let's talk about the secondary because I think there's 
definitely some stuff that needs to be figured out by the next game. So I'll start with the injuries. Avante Maddox, um, it looks like he's going to miss the rest of the season. Um, Adam Schefter reported today that they fear is a torn pec muscle that would end his year. Man, he just can't stay healthy, eh? Like, he's he's been a Band-Aid for this team. Yeah. Maybe it's not – you never hope for injuries, but maybe it's kind of uh, – it gives them a chance of seeing someone else uh, get that slot role. I mean, Mario Goodrich, can he be the guy moving forward? Like I said before, I'd like to see a veteran added to the team that can back it up. Uh, if Mario can't play the guitar or gets injured or something like that, that you have a backup option there to play that that slot role. I don't know if the answer would be James Bradbury playing the slot and having Josh Joe be a full-time starter. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of rotation on the sec- uh, in the secondary right now, primarily due to injuries. And ma- my Lord, have they been injured. Mm-hmm. It's 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 James Bradbury, it's Avante Maddox, it's Reed Blankenship. That's that's three out of four starters, or three out of five starters. Yeah, and, and the other they, safety I, spot, you don't really even know who is the starter there. Like sometimes it's Terrell Edmonds, sometimes it's Justin Evans, sometimes it's Sidney Browns in in there for a couple snaps. The, Reed Blankenship was the only straight up starter off out of the gate, and so they're like you could basically say they're missing three out of four of their solidified starters in the in the secondary. Do you what do you think they do with Avante Maddox like to fill his role? Um, what about a little Sydney Brown mix in the slot? Maybe, maybe uh, I'm, I think I'll be looking. I'll be looking into to see if I could sign someone as well. Uh, but I think they like the guys they have. They kept this many cornerbacks for a reason um, to be prepared for a situation like this. But I mean, there are some there are some names out there. I know Bryce Callahan is out there. Um, and and yeah, I think the, the corner is is always difficult to pick up in free agency, and I think that's um, that's obviously why the Eagles kept as many as they did. But slot cornerback is a little bit more manageable of finding somebody who can who can play that role. Yeah, it's not. I a think Mario Goodrich was all right. I mean, Mario he had, had, he had the two blown coverages. He had the one. Um, in the first half, and they had won the second half. I he was just late to getting to Justin Jefferson. Like it looks like he just didn't know if he was passing it off or not. Yeah, so was so was Darius Slay. Um, yeah, it was. So I I think I think Goodrich is like has some upside here. Um, I really liked him. Um, this in the summer, I, I thought uh, I didn't th- have him on the roster, but I did think he was getting on the practice squad. It's kind of cool to see him um make his way up into the lineup now. But yeah, you're right. Just kind of circling back to what you said, like with Maddox, like now you're going to get a chance to see these guys. I actually thought Josh Job didn't play terrible besides the deep pass that uh, that they caught from Jordan Addison. I know that he got beat there, and that's the problem with being cornerback. You miss if you have a one bad play, um, you can they can take it seventy yards to the house. So yeah, and it wasn't because he got like he he got beat, but it wasn't because he wasn't in close to being in position. It wasn't that he jumped on a double move or. Or something like that, but yeah, it's it's never good when you get beat. But it, there are worse ways to get beat if you're going to let up a touchdown. Mm-hmm. What about some love for Justin Evans Thomas? I actually thought he played okay. Yeah, I think he played well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's making smaller words. He was listening to our podcast. That's why he had to play well. Um, Justin Evans actually on the year has only given up three catches on eight targets for 42 yards. Um, one of them he has allowed a touchdown, but I he was he was involved. I will say though numbers. that some of those are are registered off of zone coverage, where the uh, over the middle, where it's the linebacker who is being the one giving up the play. 
where I, where Justin Evans was in a completely perfect situation to blow up the receiver or the tight end. I think it wasn't those situations over the middle where he just doesn't do it. Doesn't do it yeah. uh, and so that doesn't count on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think like those stats are probably misleading, but I, he came off, he, he popped off the, the screen a couple of times. He was involved in those two turnovers as well. One on special teams and then one on defense. So and he played okay. I think, I think he kind of uh, deserves to keep some playing time here, um, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I think there's a couple options that they can do. Yeah. They can look to sign a free agent. They can, I think something we talked about um, in the preseason and something they did in in some practices, according to some B reporters, is move James Bradbury into the slot and have Josh Job start on the outside. I don't think you're going to see that right away. My best guess is what they're going to do is they're going to just let Mario Goodrich play and see how it works and see yeah. how it goes. Right? He earned a roster spot. Right? They kept him around for a reason. Like I think it's kind of looks bad if you just go out there and sign a starter, go out there, trade for a starter. You go out and you start Bradbury in the slot right away. Like, I think you got to let this kid, you got to give this kid another game, um, in my opinion, and then take it from there. So, but they, they've got a ton of injuries in the secondary and they, they need to get healthy here. I'm assuming James Bradbury is probably going to play against Tampa. Um, I don't know how Reed's blanket ships ribs are. We haven't really got any word from it um, at all. Uh, it's usually, it's easier to pain manage. Um, rib injuries like broken ribs or or distortions to the ribs it's it's much easier to pain manage after the first week the pain usually intensifies over the first week and then afterwards there it kind of decreases from that point and it's much easier to find a balance of 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 relieving the pain off of that it's really difficult in the first week because you're feeling as every day go by you're getting more and more difficulty breathing because of pain when you're when you're doing so and if there's something you don't want to be doing when you have difficulty breathing, it's playing football. Yeah. Um, have you have you ever broken a rib before? Yeah. You have? Yeah. It sucked. Yeah, and I've had many patients with much worse rib injuries than I have admitted uh, <laughs> yeah, in right. our departments. And it's the first couple of days are not fun. Um I always sometimes it, forget it, that like you're an actual like MD doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and in an orthopedic <laughs> department right now. Usually when, when we get like traumas in, it's uh it's all the other stuff that happened during the trauma, like uh, broken this or that, uh, like clavicle or or something like that, in, in like right off of the of the trauma mechanism. And then when then then as we admit them and we start actually, um, you know, mobilizing and pain regulating them during admission, uh, they start to develop more and more pain, and that that from the rib injuries, and that usually becomes the primary thing as we're as we're getting them ready to get home. Um, but yeah, that's, um, it's a tricky thing with, with, with rib injuries from a pain management perspective, because usually all the other injuries are like, you get the pain max pretty early and then you can kind of work with it from there. Um, broken bones, whenever you get them splintered, usually the pain kind of goes away because they get, you, you get immobilized, you're good to go. Um, and it doesn't really become an issue from there. Maybe some swelling, but that's it. Ribs and clavicles are more tricky because it's, it's stable stuff and you, you kind of have to breathe. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the craziest injury you've seen? Like, uh, like the a- craziest injury. Um, and it's not really that dramatic, but it's more, it's, it's, it's crazy in the sense of how it affected the, the person was a double Achilles tear. Oh my in God. One injury. It in was both a guy legs? Was, like, a, like in, in both yes. legs. Yeah. Oh, my so geez. it was a guy he had like, um, he was doing renovation in his house. And 
he had like a, a uh, he ordered like a bunch of material on the way home, and he was uh, pushing. What do they call those things where you lift a fork, a forklift, or forklift? Yeah. Or no, like, yeah. a, like like a like manual, pump it up, like a pump. Yeah, gun. exactly. Pump yeah, so yeah. he was pumping up that uh, um, the all the materials there, and he was about to like to drag it down into his uh, um, into the road towards his house, and that had a little bit of an angle to it, and so he had to stand against it with his with his weight, and it was a lot heavier than he expected and so he had to he had to stand against it and he he has one leg behind the other to kind of like push up uh, and yeah. take steps back he hears a pop in one of his legs he can't stand on that leg so he puts the other one back to kind of compensate for it and he hears a pop in that immediately oh after oh my god and then he just kind of rolls to the side this thing with all the all the stuff it just rolls uh rolls through the road there and he's he's sitting there in the in the uh in the um like on the ground and and can't get up and so he gets into the uh, he gets into um, the emergency department where I where I I uh, greet him and take uh, take him out initially, and 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 God damn it like it was it was on both sides one of them was a little bit higher than the other so one of them was was torn right at the at the tendon insertion side the other one was a little bit higher, um, and we were really careful to diagnose it it's it's an easy diagnosis to make you have a couple of tests you do you ultrasound scan it and then that's it. So whenever I read that they're doing MRIs in America for Achilles tendons, I always kind of laugh a little bit inside because it's the most useless uh, diagnostic tool for Achilles tendon tears. Like if, if you don't know how to ultrasound, it's fine. But if you do and have a little bit of clinical knowledge, then it's the easiest uh, thing to, to diagnose. Um, ultrasound to scan him and say, I mean, he, he, and he was not old. Uh, so it's like, sorry, buddy, but we're going to have to put splinters in both legs. Uh, you can't put any pressure on either of them. So we're going to admit you and we're going to see how we're gonna mo- most probably going to manage this, obviously with one of our, our foot specialists. So we ended up uh, surgically repairing one of them and then conservatively repair the other one. Um, oh and um, yeah, it was um, for a young guy. He had to be admitted to like a, uh, 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 a, a, walk a home right? basically yeah. for uh, for at least seven weeks. Jesus Christ. That just gave me like the heebie jeebies. And did all the shit like I guess it all fell down, right? Like if he was holding up this cart, all the shit went down. I, he, he he doesn't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> the only thing he was worried about at that point was how his legs yeah. were gonna be working. Tough go, tough, tough day for that guy. That sucks. Um that that's, yeah. that's painful. The, the the torn Achilles always looks so painful. Like the Aaron Rodgers one the other night, like watching like, the zoom in of like the calf pop. Oh mm. yeah. Usually when it's sportsmen, they always come in saying the same thing. Like they usually it's a, it's it's guys who are in a race or playing some kind of like uh racket uh sports and they're like they're putting they're putting weight down on on one angle and trying to move up to the other and they hear the pop from that. It's like a lot of them will say that they think someone tripped over them or they got kind of kicked from behind. <laughs> and a lot of them will be mad because like why like why would someone trip me over or, or kick me from behind and they look around there's nobody there and that's the pop that they're feeling in their Achilles god um okay uh, this took a turn <laughs> yeah no, that was good that was a good that was a good time I like getting off topic sometimes um okay uh I think that's it I don't think I have much else on the game it was uh it was exciting um of course they're two and no any macro takes you want to get off your chest in a big picture um it's a really good time to get 
get some time off now and, and get the uh, get the squad settled, get all the expectations figured out here with the team and get everything adjusted. And then they have Buccaneers on uh, Monday night football in another primetime game. Um, hopefully we're going to see them come out guns blazing there. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have this. I had this one circled on his calendar. I think he wants another. Um, oh, yeah. Todd Bowles, right? Todd Bowles, they were laughing at him last time they saw each other. Like they, the the defense was laughing at him. Um, the coach, the whole the whole sideline. So I think this is definitely a game that you're gonna want. That hurts is gonna come out firing. Um, any uh, any games you got your eyes on this weekend? We got a free Sunday. I am always looking uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. I've become a, a big time uh, closet fan of uh, <laughs> of the Atlanta Falcons. I, I think fighting uh, Arthur Smith, Tyler Algier, and. Uh, and B. John Robinson are two of my favorite players, non-Eagles, to be watching. They got the they got the Packers at home right now. And yeah, they are they're currently favorites over the Packers. That's a fun really, game. Jordan Love said. played well in his first game. Mm-hmm. He did. He looked awesome. Did you know that was his only second start? Like he's yeah. been playing in a lot of games, but that was his. It was only his second start. Yeah, his first start was against the Chiefs back in 2021, I think. Yeah, first it, it was his, Yeah, and. Uh, there was a funny clip uh, circled this uh, this offseason where they asked Andy Reid about Jordan Love, and he goes, who? Like, and they're like, Andy, he started against you. And Andy doesn't even remember that Jordan Love started against him. Um, and I think, like, that would kind of motivate Like, I think Love was told that, and he's kind of going, like, there's nothing I can do. So it's a cool story. Like, I, I loved kind of the guys that sit behind uh, a veteran for so long and finally get a shot. Um, so good to Jordan Love. Yeah, the Cowboys-Jets game, I'm really curious to see if that Cowboys offense is clicking against the Jets. Um, that Jets defense looked ferocious against the Bills, man. That was probably the best unit I saw all week of week one was that Jets defense. So curious there. Uh, yep. See how that goes. All right, man. I think that's all but we I, got. I do think that the uh, I do think the Cowboys off uh, Cowboys defense are going to having a feast on, oh, on Jets yeah. offense. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a low scoring game for sure. Yeah. Um, if right. someone knows how to wear down defenses, it's it's that systematic Dallas offense. Hmm. All right, I think that's it. I got nothing left. Thomas has nothing left. Uh, make sure to check out our sponsors, BetterHelp, Manscaped, and Sweat Taylor. Thomas and I will be back sometime next week previewing Tampa. Do you have any idea who you're going to do your film breakdowns on? I would love. I'm going to put a recommendation. Yeah, give me here. some names. Okay. Can you do a passing offense one? Sure. Like, can you get the back end of the passing off? I, I'm yeah. so curious to see what the hell is going on. Um, like, are the routes not open? What's hurt seeing? What's hurts not seeing? I would love yeah. a breakdown of that because I am – I can't figure it out because I don't – in Canada – so Amazon has a package where you can get the all 22 in real time. And Canada doesn't have that access to it. Um, we have to watch on our VPN? local cable provider. No, like – so Amazon Prime, like they, oh, okay. they host the Thursday Night Football, right? Um, so on Thursday nights, you can watch the all 22. And I was excited this uh, to go into do it th- doing it this week. I go to Amazon Prime in Canada – they don't have the game listed, and I Google and I search up, and it's a Canada doesn't show, or Amazon Prime Canada doesn't show the all 22 angle. So I was kind of stiffed out on that. I was really hoping to see kind of the back end of the offense going into the, the, the Viking secondary and see how it looked. So I couldn't get an opportunity. So I would love a, a, a film breakdown of the passing game. Noted. Um, players. I'm guessing you're probably going to want to do my lot of this game, right? Yeah, because he was so damn good. Yeah, um, do you have do you have any ideas or give anyone in mind? Uh, I think I want to be looking a little bit on um, on the uh, on the linebackers in this game. 
Uh, and then on Josh Sweat. Mm-hmm. His second half was stacked. So you'll have a lot of lots to go off of there. All right, let's finally get out of here. Again, check out our sponsors, Better, Better Help, Manscaped, and Sweat Taylor. And Thomas, I'll be back sometime next week. And then we will, until then, we will talk to you later.